Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Alright, so this story is going to be about two encounters, as I feel that they're probably related. It's about aliens, I think, but like many things that happened to me, I really have no idea. So Newfoundland is an alien hotspot if the stories that I hear are any indication. Almost everyone that I know has some story about when they lost huge chunks of time and were missing, usually for about a day, but it can go as high as a week. I've never heard any violent encounters, but a lot of I was frozen and couldn't move for a bit due to light from the sky once. It's a pretty good assumption that if aliens do exist, they stalk my family. My dad has stories about being frozen on beaches, being watched in his sleep, and a weird story about the stars changing configurations. My mum has stories about meeting aliens, and she even has a few accounts of what they look like. I might tell those stories one day, but I feel like this is a good introduction to the types of encounters that my family's had. So it all started when I was about 13. There's nothing overly remarkable about me, other than being in a military family and I was more precious than most. At the time, I was living in my dad's hometown, maybe a solid kilometre up a hill I suppose. My house was a raised bungalow, meaning that all the first floor windows were about 10 feet off the ground. My window faced the front yard and it was probably the only one that didn't have some kind of bush in front of it. Basically, that means that I had a good solid view of my outside. Now, one night, I remember being woken up fairly abruptly around 1 in the morning, I'd say. Not unusual for a 13-year-old, so I thought I'd go and get a drink, probably pee, and then just go back to bed. Except, when I tried to move, I just couldn't. Some people describe the feeling of a, an overbearing weight that prevents them from moving, but this, this wasn't that. It was like my whole body was asleep, complete with the tingly feeling and utter lack of ability to move. I wasn't sleeping in a weird position, and aside from having maybe an extra blanket on the bed, I couldn't figure out a reason why this was all happening. 
The only thing I could move was my head, as my neck felt asleep, but not enough to completely prevent movement like the rest of my body. So I flopped my head to one side, and that was when I saw it. In my window, roughly in the middle, was a disc-shaped object. It hovered maybe a foot away from the glass and didn't move. Now, this is remarkable for anyone who's been to Newfoundland, where 40 km an hour winds are the norm basically every day. The disc was maybe 3 feet in diameter and the better part of a foot tall, and it let off this low-grade, almost LED-like hue. It reminds me of those horrible blue Christmas lights. The thing had three thick, prominent ridges on what I assumed to be the front of it, which was facing me. From the middle one came a red light, and... The thing didn't have a lens, it just kind of emanated from this thing. It split into a wide vertical pattern and was scanning my body. When I moved my head, the disc was beaming around my belly button area, and as soon as my head flopped with maybe a second or so delay, it moved the scanning laser to my eyes. For maybe five seconds, I just stared rather uncomfortably into this horrible red light and it kind of burnt. I wanted to close my eyes desperately as it felt not dissimilar to staring into the sun, but they just couldn't move. I tried to yell as I recall holy hell, but I couldn't say anything. And much like staring into the sun, you see little else. After the five or so seconds though, the light turned off and I could just make out that disc object flew off down the road towards the ocean. I was awake for maybe ten or more seconds before I just fell asleep. For full context too, this happened in about 20 seconds, give or take. I need to point out too that this happened in 2003 in rural Newfoundland. At the time, there were no such thing as drones. In fact, drones were the terrifying flying machines the US were sending to bomb the crap out of Iraq at the time. I had only recently seen them on TV as those big white plane looking things and I have no real explanation for this other than possibly aliens, I suppose, but I tried to talk to my family and classmates about it, but they mostly called me a loony and just laughed at me. Eventually that night passed from me, though, trying to tell people about it. No one will believe me, so why bother, I thought to myself. A month, maybe two passes, and my life just carries on as normal. The only real difference, though, is that I just became terrible at math all of a sudden, I was a top student in my class, always pulling best grades for most of my school life until that point. Given the math isn't all that hard, but at this point, I just really started to suck. My grades went from 90s to 60s, often 50s, and sometimes even failing in the math that I was able to do not even four months ago. No one was concerned for some reason, but... That was a frequent theme in my teen years, so I was now just the kid that had fallen from grace. Still had amazing grades and everything else, just never again in math, which was really weird. Anyway, so one night, I remember being woken up, again my body feeling like it was asleep, and again I had some control over my neck, but I remember this like, I remember a dream kind of, but way too many details for it to be normal, but I'll get to that. But the first thing that hits me though is the blinding white light. It was coming from outside my window, brighter than stadium lights and coming from who knows where, but I knew it was close to my house. And all I heard was a low growling hum coming from outside. In my room were two of those discs that I'd seen before, 
shining a wide red light all over the room, which dampened the sheer brightness of the light outside enough that I couldn't see anymore. And then, I see one of them. It walks into my room, and I remember being scared-ish, but largely indifferent to be honest. It was easily over 12 feet tall and was uncomfortably skinny. Its arms and legs were way too long for the tiny torso it had, about the size of maybe a child. They were multi-jointed in at least seven places that allowed it to fold up its arms and legs enough that it could fit in my room. I have no doubt that if it were to fully extend all of its joints that the thing could easily top 20 feet. It had hands which had too many joints in its fingers, way too many fingers and no thumbs. They were in a half circle around its pretty round palm and generally it was pretty unsettling now that I think about it. It had a head, a huge head, but it lacked any real eyes except for maybe tiny pinpoints where a massive socket would otherwise be. It had no nose, no hair, no real chin and two holes where cheeks would be. I'm guessing that that might be a mouth, but hell if I know. The head was thin because, of course, the whole thing was thin and resembled somewhat of an oblong pancake, I suppose. The whole thing had white skin with a grey undertone, or what I assumed to be such given the light of the room. The creature, though, held out its hand and instinctively I held it back. It walked me out of my room, stark naked, and was leading me to my living room. When I got into my hall, I see all the doors in my house are open and there are dozens of these things just sort of mulling about. I remember one looking in our linen closet, one walking into our basement and another unscrewing a light bulb or something. All over the house were the discs that gave everything that faint red tint and the huge stadium lights from outside making it look like broad daylight but with a slight red tint. In the dining room was my mother, also stark naked kind of just standing there as two of these creatures were in my kitchen doing something. Lying on the couch in my living room was my dad, again naked, with three of the creatures looming over him with a bunch of weird tools in their hands. I can only assume too that they were doing some kind of procedure. I remember asking where's my sister, to which I get the reply outside from the creature holding my hand. I'm still unsure though if I heard this from inside my head or if the creature said something out of its uncomfortable holes, but I accepted that as good enough of an answer. As I walked by my dad, I could see the creatures were fiddling with my dad's junk, poking and prodding it. I remember being concerned as I knew my dad had just had a vasectomy, but again, I just got the feeling that everything would be okay. The creature I was with placed me in the corner of the room, facing the wall, and I sat down cross-legged without much issue. The creature then left, and I was there for about a minute or so. All I can remember from that time is a few details. Above me was one of the discs shining its broad red light, but I had the faint blue as well giving my vision an odd hue. And the only other distinguishing feature that I remember is the silence. The piercing and utter silence only broken by a soft low growling hum coming from outside. I remember them waking up back in my bed, no worse for wear, and all I think is, damn, that was a weird dream, and went about my day. The only difference though is that I had and still have a small lump on the back of my neck the size of a split pea. It comes and goes, and sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't. 
and a few times I've squeezed it and some dry kind of powdery substance came out. I just assumed it was weird pus, but if it ever happens again, I might try to get a good look at it. A few years go by and me and my dad were chatting and we got on the topic of aliens somehow, one of his personal favorites. I tell my dad about the multi-jointed creature thing and before I can get to the point where I reach the living room, he says, I had a dream just like that. A bunch of skinny white men with hoods were cutting my junk, red hue over everything and I remember seeing them sit you in a corner and you just sort of stayed there for a bit. Crazy dreams, hey? I asked if it seemed real to him and he said, well yeah, I had those kinds of dreams since I was a kid. The white guys in the hoods never do anything interesting. This was the only time. Our brains are weird, aren't they? I've brought it up a few times since then, but I just really don't get a whole lot more than what I've told you. My sister has somewhat of a similar story, but she also remembers like three seconds of it. I personally have about two minutes, I'd say, and the best guess that I've come up with is that it's aliens. But like I said at the beginning, this is far from the only time that I encountered these creatures. I'll save that story for another day though, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. It was a Sunday, early in the morning. I live in the suburbs, but my parents own a farm that I enjoy going to because I get to see my dog. Her name is Molly. She's a mutt, but she's not a tiny dog by any means, and at the time I felt pretty safe around her and would often take her for walks in the forest that was nearby. So the day started off like any other. Me and my dad got in the car, drove around for a while, and arrived at the farm. I immediately get out of the car and hugged Molly. My parents always got angry when I hugged her since I'd smell like her for the rest of the day. 
I put a leash on and asked my dad if I could take her for a walk. He always thought that we would just go down to a road and back, but I always found it more interesting to take her to the forest. I always felt like a certain kind of peace and relaxation was there that was unmatched by pretty much anything else. So we took a turn and headed to the forest. Usually when we got there, I'd take her off a leash so that she could explore on her own. Most of the time, I'd carve my name into the trees or look for anything interesting, really. I was playing baseball with some rocks and a wooden leg, presumably from an old table, and then I heard it. Molly was barking at something. This wasn't usual for her when we were in the forest, too. I thought that it was a fox or some other animal, so I quickly grabbed the wooden leg like a weapon. I knew that if it was a fox, uh, I wouldn't attack it, but I had a sense of security while I was holding it anyway. I called out Molly a couple of times, but she just kept barking. This was very strange for me, since she always came to me when I called her. I followed the sound of her barks, though, and stumbled across a scene that, honestly, I'll never forget. There was a man, probably in his late 50s, half-naked, carrying a large machete in one hand and holding moonshine in the other. This was the first time that I stumbled across someone in the woods, let alone someone half-naked and carrying a big-ass machete. He was completely ignoring Molly and hacking away at the ground for some reason. I didn't really know how to handle the situation, if I'm being honest. Even now, I have no idea how I would handle it. But I asked in confusion, Sir, are you okay? I don't think I understood the seriousness of the situation at the time, but he turned around, revealing his face, and he had some of the clearest blue eyes that I've ever seen to this day, and I could see them so well because they were completely open wide. He looked at me and said, come here boy, look what I've dug up. I was afraid that if I didn't listen to him that he would start chasing after me, and that was something that I wanted to avoid at all costs. I got closer, but kept a good distance still. I didn't see anything except for an empty hole. He returned to hitting the ground with his machete, occasionally taking sips from the bottle. And I used this window of time to get my dog and start walking away slowly as to not notify him that I was leaving. But then I took one final glance at the man and his head was dug deep in that hole. I was so intrigued though that... I just kept watching. I know that this was stupid of me, but I was curious. He finally got up from the ground, and I was shocked when I saw him carrying a bone in his mouth. I have no idea what animal it belonged to, if it even did belong to an animal. I had just seen enough at this point, though, and started sprinting with my dog. As we ran, I heard him laughing, and then I saw something flying from the corner of my eye. It was that damn machete. I heard him yell, damn it, and this made me run even faster. I know the forest really well, so I wasn't afraid of getting lost, and I ripped through the branches and the bushes until I got out of the forest, but I didn't stop sprinting until I arrived at the garage where my father was testing out lights on our tractor. And stupidly, I didn't tell him a single thing about the man since I was afraid that he'd get angry and wouldn't allow me to walk Molly anymore. Needless to say, though, I never went back to that forest alone ever again. So, before
before I really get into this, I just want to note that I was probably about nine years old when this happened. And I'm about to move back to this very rich in history concerning Native Americans and the Revolutionary War town that I lived in. So I recently moved into an old 1940s craftsman house in a small Maryland town and the only thing that I knew about the place was just some details about the house that I probably shouldn't have even known at my age then. I was always a kid that really enjoyed learning about the paranormal and cryptozoology, dinosaurs, so when I found out that the older owner of the house was a doctor that died of a heart attack there, I was saddened for the doctor but excited that a ghost might actually be in the house. But looking back, that was the least of my worries. So it all started when I used to play in the yard that summer. I used to hang out on an old tire swing that was there when we first moved in. And I noticed that there was some sort of gully, like a thing that appeared to be filled up. And when I asked my mum to take a look at it, I then learned that it was actually a creek that got filled up. We were both confused as to why it was filled up in the first place, but I was soon to find out. Shortly after that, I started digging around the creek thinking that I could dig up dinosaur bones, but I found other things. My mum and grandmother were kind of startled and yet again baffled that I started bringing small toys to them from the filled up creek. Things like marbles and plastic letters. But we didn't think much of it until one day I brought them a stone arrowhead from the filled up creek. It was an actual stone arrowhead too because we'd even bought them at a local pawn shop in town that collects and buys off artifacts like that from the area but I actually wanted to keep it because it was, well, my first archaeological find and I kept digging them up that day. When night came I had to sleep in my grandmother's room since my bedroom was still being painted upstairs. I lived with my mother and grandparents at the time and they were all heavy smokers so they gathered up on the porch to smoke. I also had two dogs and a bird. The bird was in the parlor far from my grandmother's room and the dogs followed my grandparents and mum out onto the porch where they smoked. Now I was trying to sleep that night but something just felt off. The windows were open and it was really warm in the room but there was no breeze coming in. The night was just dead still. My grandmother had this uh, fake palm tree on this tall end table right next to the window in front of my bed and I was just about to close my eyes until the tree just started to shake audibly. Like there was wind flying through it or someone was shaking the branches but there was no one there and there was definitely no breeze. I really thought it was just my imagination at first but it just kept shaking so I screamed for my mum at this point. She burst into the room and the palm tree stopped shaking and I told her what happened but she suggested that I was dreaming and I needed to just go back to sleep. So I tried to sleep but when she left it started shaking the same way again and I screamed for her again. She got angry with me and yelled at me and then left the room. Things seemed to be fine too until the room just went cold as if there was an air conditioner. The window let in no breeze and the house was too old for central air but I wasn't going to complain since it felt nice but my nerves were definitely on edge. I tried to go to sleep until I heard a, 
light and audible female whisper from across the room. And I shot up and sat up and looked around for who was whispering and I saw her. I still have nightmares about her and she had to be as tall as my grandmother, about 5'2", and she was just stood in the corner of the room. She was still, dead still. She wore a long black dress with some sort of print on it and her skin was so pale grey that it could have been white for all I know. Her eyes were huge along her normal face and her eyes were completely white, pure white. There was nothing else in them. Her hair was long and black and a little frizzy or matted, I suppose. I couldn't see her feet from where I sat, but we made eye contact for what seemed like forever, though it was probably just a solid minute. I was too scared to scream or move or do anything, but when she opened her mouth a little as if about to speak, I just dove under my covers and I tried to hide. It took me a few minutes to muster up the courage to scream and this time everyone came running into my room. The dogs looked uneasy, they were looking for something in there and my mum asked what happened and I told her that I saw a woman and she looked at the arrowheads on the nightstand and just shook her head. My grandmother looked at them too and said to get rid of them right now. And so my grandmother went to bed with me that night and in the morning I buried the arrowheads and all the toys. Nothing ever seemed to happen again after that and I never saw the woman again either but... It's an experience that I'll never forget. From March to May of 2017, I toured Europe with my mum and sister. I was 16 at the time and we were Australian. I'm the classic stereotypical Aussie teenage girl. Blonde, blue or green eyes, tan. I'd say I look pretty average, if it really matters, but yeah. So our trip of course happened to collide with all of the attacks and we drove down to Westminster Bridge the week after the attack, saw all the memorials, we visited other places a month after the machete attacks and we boarded the subway the day before a bomb was let off on it and we'd taken the exact same route at the same time. And due to all of this we were all on very high alert for the entirety of our trip. And I think that that explains my behaviour in this story too. So, our trip mostly consisted of us staying in a hotel, apartment, or lodge for two or three days, then driving on to the next place. I can't remember where this particular hotel was, and it's important to know that I'm a very big go-with-the-flow person, so I didn't really know where we were. I didn't care if it was an apartment or a hotel, I just knew that on that particular day I was sick, and I decided to stay instead of go out into the freezing cold and get sicker. So, my sister and my mum went without me. About 10 minutes after they left, I heard the door open. I'd been watching a movie on my laptop and didn't pay much attention to it. I figured my mum had forgotten something and came back for it. Although, the time lapse seemed a little long for that. But it still seemed like the most likely thing, so I didn't think too much of it. But she didn't call out to me and I wondered if she thought I might be asleep or if it was a maid service. Usually they call out, hello, is anybody in there when they enter, but maybe they figured that we were already gone. So I waited, getting more and more concerned with every passing minute. I wasn't on high alert, but I already am a very paranoid person by nature. And although I tend to diminish my own paranoia, 
In the moment, all I was thinking is, oh my goodness, you're so pathetic. Do you really think a robbery or something would take place with you in your room? I also, admittedly, succumbed to that paranoia a lot. I figured it was most likely just a landlord though, if it wasn't a maid service to begin with. Again, I didn't know if we were in a hotel or an apartment complex. So I did what any antisocial, anxiety-ridden, paranoid teenager girl would do, and I hid in the closet. Even at the time, digging myself beneath the bundles of blankets that they shoved in there, I thought I was being ridiculous. So ridiculous, in fact, that I took a Snapchat of myself in the closet with a caption along the lines of, is it a robber or the maid service in my room, a day in the life of my name? My friends thought that I was an absolute idiot, and I remember one messaging me and laughing about, oh, maybe it's another attack. But I didn't answer her, I was too focused to try and figure out what the hell this person who'd come in was doing. It sounded like they were going from room to room, raiding the place almost, and I heard things being moved around, and not in the way that they would be if someone was trying to clean underneath or something like that. It was just really rough. Anyway, I heard doors open and close again and again. They even came into the room that I was in and rummaged around for a while. I honestly don't know if they looked into a closet. I'd left the door open a bit, enough for them to peer into because it had caught on something and closing it would have caused more noise, but I was hidden beneath the bundles and bundles of thick blankets. I'm a girl of very small stature, so I pretty much wouldn't have been noticed. And finally, it sounded like they left. I say they because, well, I strongly suspect that there were two people. The footsteps and the movements just didn't really match up to one person, but I still thought it was most likely my mum and I was just paranoid and hallucinating. I waited a good 15 minutes after they left before I climbed out of my hiding spot. I was pretty unnerved, but I came out and checked our suitcases. We had left them open in the living room, bearing our money and passports for all to see, and... Pretty much nothing looked disturbed. That is, except the passports maybe, I think. My mum keeps all our passports in a Ziploc bag. The Ziploc bag had been opened and two passports had been pulled out. One was half in the Ziploc bag, like they'd opened it enough to check whose it was and then ignored it. The second was left on the top of the clothes, which meant that someone had picked it up and looked through it. I opened it and it was my one. My mother came home several hours later and I asked her if she'd come back about 10 minutes after leaving, if she'd come back to get something that she'd forgot, and she just looked perplexed and said no, and I was honestly pretty shocked by this. I asked if we were in a hotel with a maid service or if she'd called a maintenance man to come by and forgotten to tell me. She started looking suspicious and then said no and asked me why. I asked her if we had a landlord that might have come by and she said no. And then it hit me in that moment that an honest to God stranger had been in my hotel room while I was still in there hiding. Still, I didn't feel like making it a big deal. Maybe they gave someone the wrong keycard and they didn't realize until they went through my room and looked through our passports to see who was staying in the room or something. I mean, after all, nothing had been taken. So I decided to go with my mother for the rest of the day and still unnerved about the experience, we were in the town chatting with some locals who asked where we were staying. We told them and they just looked horrified. I wasn't there for the conversation but according to my mother they told her 
I don't want to frighten you, but I think you should leave that place immediately. We here have a suspicion that they're trafficking girls from there, and a lot of backpackers go missing after visiting there. Well, we left that day, and my mother didn't tell me the reason until we were in the car. For someone to have gotten into my room, they would have needed to be allowed into the main doors by an employee, or have a keycard themselves to have access. Then, they would have needed to have had my keycard to my room. And, I also suspect that maybe someone was watching on the CCTV cameras, and saw my mum and sister leave, and realised that I wasn't with them. It gives me chills to think about it, but it's never really kind of just hit me considering even in the moment that I kept thinking that I was the biggest idiot in the world for hiding in a closet because I was scared of socializing with a maid service. But I think that the fact that I kept thinking that I was so dumb and paranoid and dramatic for all of it throughout the experience might have just saved my butt. It meant that I kept a level head and listened for clues that I didn't have adrenaline pumping through my veins and clouding my thoughts and honestly, I think that... I was pretty lucky. Years ago, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, I went on a trip to celebrate Easter with my mum's family. It was a tradition for us to have a picnic in the middle of a big field about 40 minutes from my grandma's house. This field is basically in the middle of nowhere in rural Mexico. That day, my cousins and I got really curious about a small hill that we could see from the field. It always caught our attention because it looks like a giant took a big bite out of it or something. It used to work as a rock mine several years ago. But anyway, we decided to go investigate, so we left the picnic, walked for about 20 minutes until we crossed a road and went up the hill. Once we were there, we started looking for a way to trespass a metallic fence that kept us from going into the actual mine and eventually we found a hole in it. My cousin was recording with a cell phone as we were making jokes and acting like normal cringy teenagers when suddenly she just froze and whispered, Hey, there's something in the rocks. And she pointed her camera to the rock wall behind us. At first I thought that she was joking, but something about her expression just seemed off. So I turned back and there was a human dog-like hybrid looking at us from the hole in the rocks about 20 or 30 meters above the ground. It had pink and pale and wrinkly skin and a long snout, long ears, white eyes and hands with long fingers. It had no hair and it kept still just watching us. After what felt like an eternity, the weird creature finally went into the hole again and we started running back to the picnic spot. We showed the video to our family right after being scolded for going so far without saying anything to anyone, but you could barely see anything on the video. After all these years, I still don't know what that thing was, and I still get goosebumps when I think about it. The mother of my best friend had a brother working in the mine in the 70s or so, and she claims that he and other workers died there, but the families never got the bodies back. Apparently, too, rocks collapsed multiple times, killing people working there, and made it really difficult to retrieve the corpses. Or, that's what the owners of the mine said to all the families involved anyway and after a few incidences, they just decided to close the mine for good. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. 
Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.